Good morning, everyone. Ooh, missed being at Cairns. I have. It's very nice to be here. Um, Pete was very gracious to allow me to preach for the next three Sundays, and so are you. Um, I'm going to, to share something in the, all this Sunday, something that has been in my heart for quite a bit, and uh, it has to do with church. Now, you go and see different churches, and you see how things are run and stuff like that, but um, I wanted to start with a particular story. I went to visit... Um, some friends of ours, of mine actually, because I didn't know Ruth then, and this couple had been missionaries in Papua New Guinea, planting churches there in the jungle. And um, we, we went to their church in the morning, and then in the afternoon we, we went to, their how, to, to this uh, couple's house, and... Um, they started talking to us about the work and stuff like that. And then they, well, I was keen to see some pictures. So um, they, they brought out what in those days was called a slide projector. <laughs> Do you remember in the 20th century? And they were showing pictures about the way that they were doing church um, in Papua New Guinea. Now, I'm known as a cynical because the only picture that I can remember was in the middle of this jungle, they had arranged the benches in the same way it was on that Sunday morning that I went to that Brethren Church. Benches for the elders, the front bench, and then everyone had to sit facing forward. Now, this picture stuck with me for a long time. Because what I want to share with you this morning is about this thing called church. Now, when, when I said to Pete the theme, he says, it sounds a bit miserable. <laughs> And let me guarantee you that um, I want to carry on with the same note that Pete started off the, um, the service this morning, that I'm not here to say what we have failed to do, but I'm here to encourage each and every one of us to see where we are in order that we can move forward to what God has called us to do. Now, what is this thing called church all about? What constitutes authentic Christian community? What are we about? We sang songs, we said it also in the creed, that we believe in the holy and universal and worldwide church, the fellowship amongst all all Christians. And we cannot say that without looking at the framework of the New Testament. 
And also, when we take a look at the framework of the New Testament, we see that there was a big diversity. Different churches dealt with different things. But the first thing that I would like for us to see is that God had this picture of church in mind. I've got a friend. I, I think I've told you a story about him. He's, he's, well, his father is a very talented artist. And we used to spend a lot of time together. And sometimes I would go to his workshop. And uh, he used to, to quiz us and saying, what do you think I'm working on? And basically he would start the, painting a picture and just give only a few details and then he would just return to it and finish it up in all day. But then the whole week we were hanging in there guessing what Stavri was going to do. And it's a bit like that when, when God... Oh, sorry. Technology. When God had the picture, when God had designed the church, there was something small that came in mind. Something small that probably was introduced. But until the falling of the Holy Spirit, that's where the real church began. In fact, he even prepared Peter. And I'm going to read this passage because it's, it's, very, it's very crucial to, to what I'm about to say. Uh, in Matthew 16, 13 to 18... Jesus was going to Caesarea and he was asking his disciples, who do you think or what, what do, you, do the people say that the son of man is? And people said, well, some say it's John the Baptist, some say, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This verse continues to be true in our days, doesn't it? So God is the architect. He's the builder. And it's very funny when you hear people when they talk about my church. I was looking yesterday clips online about my church. Come to my church. This is my church. And I think... There there needs to be a shift in our thinking that in the end of the day, this is God's church. He is the one that initiated. He is the one that's architectured it. He is the one who is building it. The church is of God's. This is God's church which is bought with his own blood. And this is the church 
of the living God. So all the preparations that Old Testament was doing for Christ, somehow they had this connection. Somehow they laid the foundation of what God wanted to do with the history, the history of humanity. And when the church comes into place, you can see that this dynamic, the New Testaments, I mean, the, those guys were ups, turning things upside down. You can see that it was a voluntary gathered community. God's people were liberated, not only to explore their own gifts, but they were exercising them. They were radical. No compromise. They're authentic. For them, life with God meant everything. And everything was God-centered. Passionate. Part of community. They were keen to disciple. They were keen to be part of following on the footsteps of Jesus. They were keen to tell them, to tell others, the good news of what Christ had done for them. They were keen to think more than themselves. But we are aware that God is calling his church the same today. He is calling me and he's calling you to be this community of radical people, authentic, passionate about Jesus who revolutionized the world. Now, I know that the church in this country has got a big stigma. Oh, Jesus, yes, church, no. But can we do something about this? When I talk about church, you know that I'm not talking about buildings. That's why I had an inflated uh, church building in the beginning. But go to Google and type church-like. And you'll be surprised what people describe the church to be. And what people expect the church to be. Some of them think the church is a hospital. It attracts all the sick people to come and be healed. Some of them think that the church is a family. Where belonging comes not from what you do, but who you are. You give free to one another. For some others, they think church is a football game. So they parallel each element of the game and the team with the running of the church. For some others, they think that the church is like a coffee shop. It's very busy with people bringing in different conversation because all the conversations that are brought in, they're related to their age or to their profession. It's full of variety. It's businessmen, it's parents with buggies, it's college students. It's a busy place full of different conversations. For some others, they think that the church is a box of chocolates. 
you never know what people you're going to get. Very sad. For some mothers, they think that the church is a ship. And I, was, I looked into this a little bit more. And uh, for, for some, th- they describe it that the ship, like a cruise, would you sit and you're expecting to be served everything. Or some of this say it's a battleship where everyone is designated to his own job and title and everything, and everything is run smoothly because of the work together. For some others, they like to describe the church as a business. Try and attract as many people as you can to this new product. Or let's run the church like a business. Now, a man was asked on a national poll, and uh, the question was, what was his church preference? He responded, red brick. In what values do I base my preferences? Is it kingdom values? Or something else. No matter what, the truth of the matter is that God is still building his church. He is still working with people like me and you. He's still calling people to serve him. When you look at the picture of the New Testament church... I think it's a bit ironic because not only they, they, they started loving God, but they had this, what I call the Stephen ripple effect. After the persecution of Stephen, the church moved on. And the irony of it all is that Saul, this guy who intended to go and persecute the church, in the later years, well, in the later weeks to come, he is the person who is going to become the apostle of the church. He is the guy who God is going to use as a result of what he did to Stephen. Now, that looks a little bit bizarre, doesn't it? But we said earlier on that God is the architect. And he had all this master plan planned out. And he was going to use Paul, the same guy, Saul, because of this thing called church. When I first arrived in England, my first impression was, I'm amazed how God chooses to use his church in different ways, in different countries. Mother Teresa once said, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. 
Some questions for Cairns, for me. What are we doing in God's master plan? Who is building this church? What are its foundations and where are they laid upon? Is there a need for a cornerstone? Is this a holy place or holy people? If we are called out of something, what is that thing that we're called out of? And if we're called out of something, what are we called into? Or for what are we called? Now, we talked about this. This local church that was an example of the New Testament, which was filled with the Spirit, which was holy, set apart to do God's business, which was mission-orientated, which was making disciples. Is this too good to be true? What constitutes a Christian community today? In the end of the day, what are we after? I've got three points as a good Baptist. The first thing is the rule of God. And this is for everyone. Everyone is invited and required to fall under the subject of this rule. We all have to obey the gospel. We all have to receive Christ. We have to be participators of the Holy Spirit. And we need to get on the track of discipleship. And we, com- we witness that through the baptism in the water. So the rule of God is one of the core pillars in this Christian community today. And that needs to be part of our conversations. We need to have conversations that lead with God in the center. But not only God, but it's the centrality of Jesus. Because it's this center of Jesus that demands the church leaders, it demands the church members or non-members to be led by Christ. Two days ago I was in Broadmead and they were advertising this um, diving equipment. And you know they have those big boards that you could stick your head in and it matches the body of the divers. And as I was walking I saw some uh, reasonable young people taking pictures. And I think that that whenever, whoever does this, they never think that they make a big hole for the head, which is in disproportion with the size of the body. And when I say that Christ leading the church, I want to bring what we Baptists are well known for. We stand out for church meetings and church setups because we say that we discern the mind of Christ. We discern the mind of Christ. That's one of the strengths of the Baptist church. 
That's one of the things that we're proud of. That's one of the things that we brag about. Christ-centered. When we say no to the control of the old age, old self, and we say yes to the fellowship with Christ. And the fellowship of the Spirit. A community which is redeemed and redemptive. Adapting, adjusting, transforming. So that the church, even as it helps the world to see itself as a world. Without God's rule, without Christ's centrality, and without the Spirit's community, the church cannot become one people. Without God's rule, without Christ's centrality, without Spirit's fellowship, we cannot be any closer to the gap that is between what we preach and what we live. And that's why it's so important that we shift our mentality from being my can's road to God's can's road. As gathered community of people who love God, we are called to be part of this thing which is called church. And we are asked to know Jesus, to know Christ, and make him known. I think this is not optional. It's our mandate. We're not in the big church supermarket. We're called. We're asked. God is building his church. We're equipped to be what we're called to be. So this thing called church... This knowing Christ and make him know. How does it involve us in the daily livings? We know the five core values. Prophetic. Yes. We challenge evil, injustice, hypocrisy. Inclusive. Where we identify the outcasts. And we bring the good news of Jesus. Sacrificial. Out of our comfort zone. Maybe we need to risk our respectability. Sometimes we even need to risk our unity for the sake of high call of discipleship. 
missionary. When we demonstrate in word and action God's salvation in forgiveness and love, allowing others to experience this for themselves. Missional not only for the people outside. Missional for one another, that we build one another in Christ. And worshipping community, when prayer and worship is the holding foundation of what we do. This thing called church, am I up for it? I get excited about church because I know that God is still at work. And there is, if there is wrong impressions out there about church, we are all aware that we are all people. I just wanted to encourage each and every one of you this morning that if you're fed up, if you're thinking of other ways, if you're happy about the way church is running, if you're happy about our community, let's remind ourselves that in the end of the day, this is God's church. And each and every one of us has got a role to play in this. Are we going to choose to have God's rule in our midst? Are we going to have Christ in our center? And are we going to have this fellowship with the Spirit that is going to help us to move on? So when we pray, your kingdom come on earth as in heaven, it's true. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the way that you have used your church. Thank you for the way you've called them, for the way that you have called us to be what you have called us to be. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we recognize this morning, Lord, that your heart for the church is big. Your desires for the church is big. We recognize as well, Lord, that we want to play a role in what you've got in this big picture. And we want to bring glory to you. So as we walk with you, Lord, as we walk the walk of faith with one another, my prayer, Lord, is that each and every one of us that is called to be part of this community will be faithful, and we cannot do this by ourselves, Lord. So would you please help us? My prayer also, Lord, is that you're going to continue to do that work that you have started in us until the day of Jesus Christ.
Lord, our desire this morning is to know you, Christ, and to make you known. Please, Lord, enable us, help us, equip us, inspire us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.